You're listening to The Top Floor, a podcast featuring critical conversations around property management, community associations, and real estate investing. I'm your host, Sean Forster, the trend researcher at Appfolio. Here on The Top Floor, we discuss change, innovation, and opportunities for the future. With help from thought leaders and change makers, we'll give you inside access to our world at the height of industry disruption. Here's Megan Eels Monroe. What does the future of leasing look like? Well, recently a number of factors have affected residential leasing, not the least of which is the pandemic and its shift towards virtual apartment tours. But to ascribe these changes to COVID and social distancing guidelines entirely wouldn't really capture the whole story. That's because the virtualization of the leasing process was already at play before the pandemic arrived and has only been accelerated since it landed. Today on the top floor, we're going to explore this topic with the help of one of the leasing world's most dynamic educators, Lisa Trozine. My name is Lisa Trozine. I have a company called Apartment Expert, and I've been in the industry for over 25 years. I work on the owner side, the management company side, the vendor side. I consult, I educate, I speak at a lot of conferences. You know, COVID-19 forced everybody to pivot to some techniques that were already out there. People were already doing self-guided tours. People were already doing live virtual tours and virtual tours. So those, of course, exploded and became kind of the norm for everybody once COVID really hit and leasing offices shut down. So I think the things that companies did that were really the best, they played to their strengths, a lot of them. Those who did not have the budget to go with a third party for a virtual tour started doing virtual tours on their phone. Those who didn't have the budget for a self-guided tour basically took an apartment, designated it their self-guided tour apartment, had people come to the office. Some people put the keys in a basket, and, you know, disinfected them, put them in a basket, then stepped back from the basket. People walked up to the basket, took the keys out, did the tour, came back, put the keys in the basket. I mean, people really got creative with ways to keep their staff safe and to keep their customers safe. All right, so a few numbers to put the virtual showings trend into perspective. At Upfolio, our research finds that just over 50% of renters who signed a lease during the pandemic did so after viewing the apartment either entirely or partially by a virtual showing. Of those renters, about 80% said that their virtual showing was high quality, and a majority of property managers said that virtual showings are here to stay. Putting it another way, the future of leasing is already here. I think the thing that's good about it, if we can say anything good came out of COVID, I'm not really saying that, but I think the thing that's good about it is when it forced us to provide alternatives, those alternatives found customers that preferred that way of doing business and will prefer it going forward. If I lived in an apartment community where I had moved in based on a live virtual tour and I really liked that and my lease was up and I've decided to move and I go somewhere else and they don't offer that, but that's my comfort zone, that's my preference not going to look there. Go look somewhere else who offers the way for me to do business in the way that I have grown accustomed. Like I'm totally accustomed now to ordering my groceries and either picking them up and having them put in the back of my car or being dropped at my doorstep. If I find a grocery store that won't do that anymore, I probably won't shop there. But the same new technology that powers virtual leasing experiences also presents new challenges. As Lisa points out, 
some teams have struggled to get a handle on virtual mediums. I have to say, I've seen a lot of really mediocre virtual tours. One of the biggest problems is companies are using their virtual tours as a creativity contest. That's not what it is. And and oftentimes when they do this, they're violating copyright laws on music. You're taking the emphasis away from the apartment itself, which is what the customer wants to buy. If the customer is distracted by a bunch of different things, you're going to lose that. You can ruin the virtual tour by putting too much into it. You know, in my opinion, the best virtual tours have a tour guide. They have someone who does either is in the video or is in and out of it, maybe introduces it at the beginning and then is a voiceover and thanks everybody at the end. You know, I think it's really important that a person introduce a virtual tour. If it's a live virtual tour, I think you need to be there. And I, you need to introduce yourself, introduce the apartment in a pre-recorded virtual tour. I think that's still necessary. I think you need a face at the beginning. People like to put a face with the product. People need to know what they're seeing. The point is you want to know what the floor plan is. You want to know what the dimensions are. You want to know what the features are. We, we go from these overly creative ones to these ones that are completely silent. And all you hear are the shoes of the leasing professional as they clip clop through the apartment and the jingle of bracelets or the jingle of keys. And there's no talk of this is our two-bedroom, two-bath Bradford apartment. It's available on floors one through five. Let's take let's take a quick look. Here's the full-size washer and dryer. It's a Maytag. You're going to love it. Let's go into the master bedroom. It's 15 by 12. You don't even have to fill it with a ton of voiceover, but just some stuff so you know what you're looking at. The other problem that we have is the self-guided tours. Self-guided tours are great, but again, you know, I've been experiencing a lot of these firsthand and you go into the apartments and there's nothing in there. You don't know how high the countertops are. You don't know uh, what the dimensions in the room are. You don't know anything. There's no signage whatsoever to tell you what you're seeing. Does this apartment face east, west, north or south? I don't know. We need to arm our customers with information. You know, you can't give them too much information. And ideally, when they walk out of that self-guided tour, there's a QR code on the back of the door that they can snap. It takes them right to the application page. And that sends a message about quality. If you do a self-guided tour and they can't get into the apartment, that's not good. I think people gave you a, a pass at the beginning of the pandemic for kind of slapping stuff together and saying, this is new. Uh, now, if you go out there and your hands all jiggly on your camera and you do a terrible job, people aren't going to cut you any slack anymore because they've seen really good virtual tours. Naturally, there are obstacles to bringing new technology into an existing process, not the least of which are creating buy-in and then training teams to use that tech. Here, Lisa remembers a few of the challenges she's seen other teams run into. You need to look at your onboarding of the property at the property level. They need to feel comfortable with the technology and they need to feel like it's a necessity. Because oftentimes what happens is, is the sale of the technology is made with the chief technology officer and maybe the VP of marketing. Very bright, very well-qualified people to make this decision, right? And then it comes down to the regional level. And the regionals get an email or they get a meeting and it says, we're just gonna start using this now. So set your teams up for their onboarding. Then you set your teams up for the onboarding with your industry partner who's brought in the technology. If the onboarding isn't effective, isn't good, doesn't sell the site teams, it's not going to work. And I will tell you, having been on site 
if you try to force a technology on me as a site level staff person and you don't onboard me correctly and sell me on how great it's going to be and help me make my job easier, I'm not going to use it. I'm not. Because I've got 50 other things to do. I've got to talk to residents about the exterminator coming, getting their sofa delivered, getting an apartment rekeyed and scheduling the painters. And if I don't have a package delivery service, I got to be getting packages for people. And that's all in the space of 10 minutes. All right. So I got a lot going on. So if you can't sell me uh, why your technology is great and teach me how to use it in a seamless manner, it's going to fail. You need to say, okay, here's a problem you're having. Here's a pain point you've got. And here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to make your job easier. I'll give you a perfect example. I was working at a property one day, helping them out. They had three different software systems. None of the software systems played well together. So when they had a prospect come out, they had to enter that prospect three separate times. They got frustrated, quit doing it, and started entering their traffic in a spiral notebook. And you know what? I can't blame them. Dual entry is terrible, but triple entry? Oh my goodness. When we're creating things, making people's lives easier, we really have to teach them how to do it and let them know why it's going to make their jobs easier and make them more marketable down the road as a property management professional. Can you tell I feel just a little bit passionate about this? COVID pushed many leasing teams to get creative and root out inefficiencies in their processes, like the example that Lisa observed with triple data entry. So many teams were crunched for time pre-pandemic, and that pressure has not gone away. Other leaders in the property management industry share this sentiment, including Donna Block, the president of Lux Communities, a North Dakota-based firm that oversees about 2,000 investment properties in the upper Midwest. Prior to the pandemic, I would always talk with my leasing consultants and tell the story of when I was a leasing consultant back in the day, I got 31 leases in one month. And that was my highest month of new leases. Everyone always was trying to beat that. Well, not until the pandemic did one of my leasing consultants beat that metric. 100% attribute it to the efficiencies that were created. You know, they didn't have to go out to every single building and open the units. There were self-shows. There were the virtual tours. They didn't have to sit down in front of someone and read through a full two-page lease and go over everything. They sent it out electronically, and the applicant was able to sit in the comfort of their own home and read through the lease agreement and ask questions later. Adding to how technology makes the leasing process more efficient is J.C. Castillo, a principal at California-based multifamily property group. Here, he explains how automation streamlines processes. I believe that the future of leasing properties is going to be a very automated and artificially intelligent way to uh, to lease the units with revenue management. When I say revenue management, I mean a lot more than just, hey, let me tell you how much you're going to pay for this unit based on uh, a one-year term. I mean artificial intelligence that takes into account what's the number of renewals that we've got, what's the leasing velocity, what, how long has the unit been vacant. Those sorts of technology are going to be very important to the residents seeing the flexibility, but also uh, to the ownership groups and the property management companies in terms of driving great revenue at the properties. I believe that is what's really critical here. Building relationships is at the heart of leasing agents' jobs. And this objective can get complicated when they're performing virtual leasing tours. Nonetheless, building a good rapport with clients really remains essential. Here's Lisa again. 
the vast majority of customers don't believe that companies have their best interest at heart. And let's think about that. They don't. <laughs> the company has the company's best interest at heart. We have to win over those customers. We have to create that trust bond with them and we have to get them to feel good about us. I don't believe there's a, a one size fits all answer to marketing. You know, in some markets, Craigslist works amazingly well. In other markets, all you get from Craigslist are scammers. You have to look at your market and say, okay, what works in this market? What doesn't work? What hasn't been tried? Okay, maybe Craigslist hasn't worked in the past, but if we tweak it, will it work? You have to constantly be doing that to be trying different things because it may work. I don't ever want to hear you sit back and say, we tried that. It doesn't work. Try it again, but do it a little differently. With another leasing season almost upon us, what does the future of leasing look like? And what are some of the trends that will define it? It's a leasing season like no other. We've never come out of pandemic into a leasing season. So treat it like your previous ones, but keep watching the consumer trends that are out there as regards COVID. I coined this phrase and I use it in all of my education called pandemic priorities. And these are the new renter priorities based on what they went through with COVID-19 and being quarantined. Rooftop decks, searches for rooftop decks are up over 90%. Pantries, people want pantries to store all their toilet paper. <laughs> They're still hoarding toilet paper, believe it or not. They want balconies and patios. They want outdoor spaces. They want socially distanced amenities. They want work from home options. Don't let your floor plans limit you in what you call a work from home scenario. You can stick a corner desk anywhere or a little writing desk anywhere so people can work or learn from home. The new question that, that leasing professionals need to ask when they're talking to a prospect is, will anyone living in the apartment be working or learning from home? That's a huge new priority. So they wanna know about internet speed, they want to know about five bars, even more than they used to. There's a whole list of things that have now become super important because people had to do without them. My oldest daughter lives in an apartment now that has a huge balcony. And she moved from an apartment right before the pandemic hit with a Juliet balcony. She said, Mom, I never would have lasted in my old apartment with just a Juliet balcony. I am on my balcony all the time because I need to get outdoors. Uh, it's made a huge difference for her. In most of the urban markets right now, they're concession crazy, absolutely concession crazy. I, and I hate to admit it, but you have to do something to keep up with that because you have shoppers that are just in there for the price and you have mortgage payments to make and you have owners to satisfy and things like that. I like to be a little bit more creative than that. I like to look at the situation and say, you know, how can I make this work better? How can I do something that isn't quite so much as giving away free rent? And I've done situations where there's an old, old expression called look and lease. So if you look and lease that day, you know, you're gonna get X. That tends to be pretty effective. I've had clients who've dangled a gift card of significant value in front of a customer and said, you know, if you lease today, you will get this gift card upon moving. That's a pretty good incentive for that day. I also had a property that I worked on with Kate Good. Kate and I double teamed on a property in San Antonio. And one of the things that we did is we captured the work at home market. Uh, work from home. The property had a number of two-bedroom apartments. We took the two bedrooms and we split them in half. Let's just say for the sake of argument, there were 200 
two bedrooms. So we took a hundred of those two bedrooms, gave that floor plan a new name because all the floor plans were named. And instead of calling it a one bedroom with a den or a two bedroom, we called it a one bedroom home office. And we created a separate model for that one. We even selected where in the building the one bedroom home offices would go. We picked the least desirable two bedroom, two bath locations, and we picked those for the home offices. And if you rented that, the owner furnished that bedroom with office furniture. That was very effective. It set us apart from everybody else in the market. It was something different. So what's Lisa's advice for those who are maybe rethinking their leasing process? You kind of need to take the rule book for leasing and throw it out the window and start over again and say, you know what? You don't have to do it that way. We're going to do it virtually. Let's make it different. Let's make it better. But let's not use music that we're supposed to pay a royalty for. And let's not put people in costumes dancing through the rooms. Because remember, the star of the video is the apartment. And I think we forget that sometimes. Huge thanks to those who spoke with us. Zana Block, Jay-Z Castillo, and the apartment expert herself, Lisa Cherzine. Lisa, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Facebook. LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Search for The Apartment Expert on social media to follow Lisa. And finally, a big thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Top Floor. Join us here every other week for a new episode. And for more information about today's guests, visit us online at atfolio.com blog. For more property management insights, Follow Appfolio on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to The Top Floor on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. We'll see you next time.